holding in the altar of Nevadach when he discusses the strange Gemara in Shabbos Pei Ches. There are three sages to the Gemara. The first one says that the mountain was suspended above Kalal Yisrael in order to urge him to be Makabal The second says, stage says that's duress and therefore it's not binding. And the third stage says, They really accepted it in the times of Chashverosh. The altar's kashas were primarily on the generation. How could it be that the generation of Har Sinai, who had reached the level of Adam Arishan Kodim Nechait, needed the coercion of the Har Sinai, yet the generation of the Chashverosh, they had fallen prey to the seductions of the pleasures of the flesh by enjoying the suit of the Chashverosh, didn't need the coercion. Surely it would have been the other way around. Then the altar went on to the famous Gemara in Sukkah about the dis- difference between the Tzadikim and the Rishayim. The Tzadikim, the Yetzar, appears to them as a Har Gavoya, a mighty mountain, yet to the Rishayim it is like Chut Asara, a string of hair. Seemingly one would have thought again the opposite. Yet the altar explains that the way the Yetzar works is in small incremental stages. He doesn't immediately approach a person and try to undermine his Judaism as a whole, he starts to chip away with the ultimate desire of destroying it completely. But he goes in steps and steps and steps until over the course of it could be years, a person just realizes he strayed far off the derech. But if you ask him, is he still on the derech, he'd probably say yes, because he never knew, noticed. Just like when a person changes for the better incrementally, you don't notice your change. So too when you change Khalida for the worse, you don't notice it. But then all of a sudden, if you look at where you were and where you are, so, oh gosh, I've, I don't do that, and I don't, do, and, and I don't feel, and all of a sudden you realize that, unfortunately, your life has been stolen away from you. So therefore, um, that's Lechayr, says, um, says the altar, that the Yetzir works with extremely powerful strategy. Now, the fascinating thing about the Yetzir Hora is the sheer far-sightedness si- far of it. When the Yetzir first gets you <coughs> to do the small, little, seemingly insignificant thing. So for him, that's a major victory. Because when he sees that small victory, he sees where it's going to lead to. In other words, when he says to you, don't worry. When you say this word, it's not lost and horror because. And really, maybe it's not, but he's made a kink in your armor. So if you look at that in isolation, <laughs> he's done nothing. But because the power is so strong, he's looking at it in terms of what it will lead to and where it will go to. Um, and we not only, the, 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 the absurdity of our default position is that when it comes to the undermining of our deepest values, the powers inside of us have the ultimate foresight of how one small action will lead to total ruination. When it comes to the building of self, we've got zero foresight how one small action can reach, a complete, reach complete perfection. So we are, as it were, by default, unless we take action to rectify the situation, suspended in the worst situation. That in terms of the farsightedness of breaking its presence in our beings, and in terms of the farsightedness of building, it's completely vacant. So the altar says that um, we're now on page in the Mama Tikkun Oh, you've got a different version. Sorry, so on your pages it's, it's not in Chofhei. 
It's on uh, it's halfway down the paragraph beginning with the word Kishinidresh. It's on Lamadzain. And the paragraph begins with the word Kishinidresh. We'll, we'll start from the beginning of the paragraph. If you want to know the difference between a tzaddik and a rasha, we have to look to the words of Chazal and see how they define the distinction. To tzaddikim the Yatora appears as a hargavoya. The power of the Yetzer in his strength is in this. It doesn't come to uproot you in one fell swoop. Because that wouldn't be an appropriate strategy. You wouldn't listen to him. Because if the Yetzer approaches you, degree, confrontationally, so then you realize, what do you mean? How dare you try to rest from my grasps Olam Haba and therefore it would be an ineffective tactic it comes in deceit with incredibly powerful military strategies when he wants to catch in his trap begins to seduce you and say just, just be a little bit makil be makil a tiny little thing which is a hairbreadth According to one's first glance, it won't make any impre- impact on you whatsoever. It won't hurt you. And when you listen to him in that small matter, and then he takes you to the next stage, which is rather larger, so the Yetzirah gets you closer to that, and then from there goes further, until eventually his goal is that you'll give up the entire Torah and sacrifice your life from eternity. And the Gemara over there brings the passage from Isaiah, which says, You pull on the oven with the binds of vanity. So this is where the difference between a tzaddik and a rasha lies. The tzaddik is able to foresee the future. He looks at that hairbreadth. And through this, the yaitzer will trap a person in his net. He looks at the tiny little hairbreadth. He sees the mountain that he's trying to trap him with. Because the tzaddik knows This is the way of the yetzer Today is do this little thing No, not a little thing Until he says to him Avoid Go and worship idols And that's why the har, the mountain represents the open confrontation of the Yetzirah coming to go to a person and saying, Come, I want to destroy your entire Judaism. The Chutasara says, I'll move it one little inch, it's not a big deal. The Tzaddik, because he has insight, knows moving it one inch is taking away the whole thing. He sees the head's breadth like a mighty mountain, meaning he sees that the small sacrifice to the wiles of the Yetzirah will be his ultimate destruction. So he sees the tiny as huge. 
And therefore, he won't relinquish even one inch of his avoda. He won't let go of even one tiny iota of his kedusha. In order that it doesn't lead to the tremendous destruction, which is mighty as a mountain. But the Russia, as a blind person, never seeing light in his days, he looks at the tiny hair's breath and he says, What's the big deal? And he doesn't bother to think about what the consequences will be and to dig deep to what the results will bring to. It's not going to hurt me. I'm okay. And it won't make any impact on me. And he goes from one hair's breadth to the next. Until he's eventually been overcome by the mighty might of the mountain. And he's not able to move from his despair his derech which has gone so far off the yamu spirishai and you will die he's evil why uh why did he use the term russia and sadiq here from the further guys not russian until after talking about them so he's getting that's precisely the point precisely the point the point is rishos is not by your present state of being, it's described by your 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 relationship to a small minuscule avaya. A person is a rasha because he does a tiny avaya, even though he's right now he's a tadikomo. But if he relates to the yetzer as not being significant, he's a rasha now. And the tzaddik is a person that could be a rasha in his maizim, but he relates to one small giving ground to the yetzer as a terrible thing. So rishas and sidkus is not measured by mitzvahs and avayas. It's me- measured by how do you see when the Yates beguile with his beguiles tries to distract you from the death, how do you view that distraction? If you view it as destructive and absolutely awful, you're a tzaddik. If you view it as, no, no, what's the big deal? You're a Russia. And this is what we see in our generation. You see yidden that don't put on tefillin. And they are on kolator kula. For them, not putting on tefillin, even though the Gemara says that if a person or a chalila goes a lifetime without putting tefillin in the chalik le'elam haba, doesn't bother them. But initially, they wanted to learn, they wanted lilmoid, and they also wanted to keep. So what happened? These people that were Yerayim and Shlaimim and now the Rishayim Gemurim, what happened? No Tfilin, no Shabbos, Gornish. What was the shame, Dorton? Omnam, Mishum, Sheloi, Bo, Alayim, Ayatabahamachas, Loiridom, Igaram, Labira, Mixa, since the Yatabah didn't come to get them off from a high roof to a deep pit. Elamat, Maat, slowly, slowly. Me Madrega, Hamadrega, one level after the next. They didn't notice it and they were trapped in his net. The first step was they started reading books. What's wrong with that book? Nah, it's Beseda. And their thoughts were trapped in that. And they thought by doing, by reading these Svarim, it's going to strengthen our Judaism. And then from those type of swarm they went to the others. If he died to him, they knew that those swarm were dangerous. Much their, 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 their 
damage was greater than their benefit, the, even though they knew that was true, until they eventually went on to Swarim, which were completely heretic and would bring about only damage and destruction. Until eventually they completely deserted from Torah and they became va- vacant of any mitzvahs. And that's because they didn't begin to see at the outset what would be. So if they would have seen that first small giving into the Yetzirah as a mighty mountain, they never would have fallen into the trap. Even Yeruvim, who was looked upon as, as such a terrible person that he didn't get a chalik to Olam Haba, and he was a, he was a gigantic mensch. Yeruvim in the Vat was a Tam Chochem Atum Venoira. He knew Kol Atarikula. He was astonishing, and he was a person who was of such a lofty madrega. Look what the Gemara says: Loi Chata B'Tchilas Ele B'Chutasai. He had a tiny little chait. He was a, he was a, he's an Ish Godlad Moed in B'Chutasai as well. He's, but from one small mistake, he developed the entire shita. As Chazal said, "Ama Yeravim, Yeravim said, 'Gemirid, ain't yishiva be'azar ele malche be'isur de bilvad.' That in the azar of the Beis Hamikdash, the only person that can sit is a king that's descendant descended from the tribe of Yehuda." Since they'll see Rechavam, who was his competition, sitting, and they see me standing, they say that this king will be a servant. In other words, he knew he wasn't allowed to sit in the Azara, but he knew that Rechavam could. So he'll say, well, people will think, aha, so he's going to be the king and I'm going to be the slave. So since he didn't want to be in the same time at the same place with the Rechavim in the Azara, and that's why he's, he made a golem, he made an Egel Azov on the way and he tried to get Kleisra to do a Liel to a completely different place. I think uh, you can still see, no? in uh, Tel Dan, the place where he built his altar. He built, he built, he built an eagle. But the, uh, all he did was, he just pushed it, it was an Indian of Kovid. And the Indian of Kovid destroyed him and completely ruined him. Um, what is the square for the eagle? I didn't say that. He knew that only Malchabez David could sit in Nazar, and Rechavim was from Malchabez David, and he wasn't. So he didn't want, if, if the whole nation did Aliyah Leregel, so Rechavim would come up, and he'd be in the Zohar at the same time as Yeravim. And Rechavim would be sitting, and Yeravim would have to stand. So he thought, thought, well, then people are going to think, well, he's the king, and he's not the king. So he was worried about that occurring. So he created a whole mahalach that Christ said, don't have to go to Aliyah Regal, and they should go to somewhere else and do the... And then he built an eagle, an altar, and everything. And he lost the chalik in Olam. Chata v'chitis ha-rabim. Something else. Akashbokh said to him, he said to him, and if he brings later, Akashbokh said to him, said to him, come do tshuva and you and Ben Yishai and I 
will be metayel b'ganayim together. So Yeravim said, "Mi b'roish, who's going to be leading? Me or David Amelech?" And the Kodesh said, "David." So he said, "I don't want it." And the the scary thing is, had 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 he not asked, Hitaka would have been leading. Whatever that means, right? Okay. So Shaul. I mean, the truth is, I don't know if he's going to book into it, but you see that many chatoim began with the Chutasaira, Koyach. Koyach will almost destroy Klal Yisrael because of one small Nagir and Kavod. Because Elitzafan became the Nasi. And he didn't become the Nasi. So one tiny little point, and boom, the person's life is gone. His life is gone. It's a Pachad Noira, which would send shivers down your spine. Benagavis, what do you want? I have no idea. I'm caught in that awful conflict. Is this a time for good encouragement or brutal annihilation <laughs> to build yourself? We'll go for the brutal annihilation. I was going for the brutal annihilation. <laughs> what are you thinking? And why don't you just come and say, Hi guys, I'd like to say some vagaries. There we go. Boom. I heard you share that they said something about something which is vaguely, cons- vaguely associated. I expect more of you, almighty man. How is that? Not bad? Combination of brutal annihilation and compliment? person of your diagram shouldn't say such stupid things in one sentence. Continues the altar. Look at this a fascinating thing about Shoal HaMelech. So Shoal HaMelech, HaKadosh Baruch commanded him to do something and one small little Nagir destroyed everything and got, he, lost, he, lost, he lost everything, he lost the Malchus. And it was such a slight, subtle nakuda. Shmuel Navi had to give him Toichacha twice because he didn't even know he'd done anything wrong. Until he actually found his Nagia, his small bias. So this is what happened. Shalom Melech is commanded to fight against Amalek. And he's told to destroy Amalek completely. So he goes and he destroys Amalek completely. Except he keeps the cattle to sacrifice and he keeps the king alive to demonstrate his victory. Okay? So, Lemaisa, he disobeyed Akkadish Bokhu because Akkadish Bokhu said, wipe them out, Legamre, Legamre. And he didn't. He didn't. So what happens? So look what happens. The truth is, it would be actually even beneficial to read it in the text, and then you see it highlighted so beautifully. So let's read through the text. The text says. 
I remembered what the Amalekites did to Klad Yisrael. Ato, go, now. Leich v'kiso es Amalek. Go and strike Amalek. V'chramtem es kol asher loy. And destroy everything that is to them. V'loy sachmod alav and have no mercy. V'hemato me'ish ad isha. V'hemato. And thou shalt kill. Me'ish ad isha. Man and woman, from the elders to the children, oxen and sheep, camels and donkeys. In other words, it was pretty categorical and was pretty clear. This is what you have to do. Good. So Vyavo Shal Ira Malek, Vyare Banachal, Shmuel went there and he fought. Vyach Shal is Amalek and he struck them. Vyitva is Agag Melech Amalek Choy and he captured the king alive. Ves Kolaam Hechim Nefichir Echar, but he destroyed the nation. Vyach Moel Shaul and Shaul had mercy. The Lashon of the Pasuk was. When he spoke to Sh- when Sh- um, when Shaul spoke to him, was v'loy sachmoel olav. Do not have chemla. Do not have rachmim. And what does it say? V'yachmoel. So what would you call that? An open contradiction, disobedience to the divine instruction. The Rebbeinu Shalom said, "Do this." Shaul did that, correct? Yeah. Says Veloy Sachmoel, says the Pasuk Vyachmoel. Don't have mercy, and they had mercy. Al Agag, the Meta, and the best of the flock, the Bokar, the Anishim, etc., etc., etc. Veloy of Rachimam, and they didn't want to destroy them. Vcholam Elochanim, etc., etc., etc. Good. So now, basically, let's go through the Sashak Lantaya. Through Shmuel and Navi. Shaul, go kill Amalek and do not leave a living being. Destroy them off the face of the earth. Shaul, oh gosh, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do something completely different. I'll kill the men, but I'm going to keep the king and I'm going to keep the cattle. Open disobedience. Next thing. So now the Yubayin comes to Shmuel and says, Nichamtikim lachti is Shaul the Melech. I'm so upset that I made Shaul a king. Kishav Nachare, because he's gone away from me. Whereas Devorai, Lohekim, and he hasn't kept my words. Vayichal Shmu, Vizak, and Hashem Kalalai. And Shmu was so disturbed, he dived through Bernus Olam, the Gansanacht. Vayashkem Shmu, Likras Shaul, Baboika. So then in the morning, Shmu goes to Shaul. Vayugad Shmu, Lemur, Ba Shaul, a Carmela. So Shmu knows that Shaul had come to Carmel, and he is there. Now, imagine, the Navi is coming to you. He's given you an instruction. You haven't obeyed the instruction. How do you think you'd feel when the Navi came and knocked on your door? Scared. Scared, apologetic, filled with, contr- maybe you're filled with regret. 
The last thing you do is that Shalom Aleichem says Shol Borchatol Hashem Hakimaisiyat Tvar Hashem Shmuel Melech, welcome. I've followed the instructions. I've kept the words of Hashem. What's he thinking? What's he thinking? He openly disobeyed. Vayomer Shmuel. So Shmuel kind of hints to him. He goes, Umekel Hatsoyna Zeb Oznai. So Ayaya Kettle. Aya sheep. What's it for noise? We call that Bokra Hashem Nochishma. I'm listening. I'm yelling kettle and, and sheep. Have you done of those? Yes, who brought those from the Amalekites? Yes, we were chaimel on him. Uh, what, what happened to Shola Melech? What happened? He's got amnesia. Shola Melech. And why? Everything else, these we brought for Korban. One moment. So Shmuel says, One moment, and let me tell you what the British Oilam said to me last night. If you're small in your own eyes, you're the leader of Klai Yisrael. And Hashem made you the king of Israel. And Hashem sent you on the way. And said, "Go and fight a Malik until you absolutely destroy them." And why didn't you listen to the voice of Hashem? And you've done what's evil in the eyes of Hashem. What? What do you mean? I listened to everything Hashem told me. And I've gone in the way that Hashem has sent me. And here's the king, I bought him alive, but I destroyed the Molech. And we bought the cattle to give it as a sacrifice to Hashem. You're not getting it. Well, Hashem wants your korbanas. He wants you to listen what he says. Listening is better than the best korban. And since since you have despised the word of Hashem, you've been despised as a king. So then, suddenly Shaul gets it. He says, you're right. I've done a chait because I went against the Hashem. And the reason was, I was scared to go against the nation. So the entire Shaklan and Tyria, only at that point did Shaul realize he'd done something wrong. Until then, when Shmuel Amelich came, he said, I've done everything you told me. What happened? What happened? Is it going to sugar now? So, there you go. Uh, 
And so to be found by Shal, that a tiny little Nagia caused him to destroy what the Yubayin Shalom asked him to do explicitly. Just so subtle, you have to see. To get it through to him, he had to, to tell him twice. Until he said, Hashem's taken away the Malchus from you, he didn't get it. He had to do that. Until he took a bias. So when Shmuel said, he said, I had Rachmanus. So he said to him, but we told you to destroy them. So he replied and he said, I've listened. No, Hashem wants your Korbanos. And he's taken away your Malchus. And only then Shmuel said, Chotasi, Kiyodati, Kiyoresi Esa'am. The Pshat Vada isn't that initially Shaul was reluctant to admit to the truth. Shaul was such a righteous person, he was like a one year old that he never tasted the taste of sin. That's what we said. This tiny little minute, this tiny little fear to go against what the nation said. It was so tiny, you didn't even see it. It was so minute, you didn't even spot it. And that the Baskel came out and said, Don't be too much of a tzaddik. Even the Baskel, Kiilu said that Shaul had some type of legitimacy in doing this. Meaning, Shaul had a whole kavuchomer of how it was wrong to murder Amalek in cold blood. And that's what stopped him. And only then, when he gave him Toichacha twice, he felt his, he chapped his bias. Because that's the way nature works. At the time when he was the king of the nation, you, you see a fascinating thing that Alter Zabadi say. That calls man, as long as Shaul was the king, and therefore he felt totally invested in the people, he couldn't feel that he'd done something wrong. Because a person doesn't see his own problems with his, with his own invested interests. Vested interests. But once Muel said to him, The minute he said, You're no longer the king. The nation doesn't belong to you. And the nation and Shola Melech became two separate things. They have no relationship. Only then, and then only, could he feel that he'd done something wrong. That the reason why he didn't destroy them was because he was scared of them. And this was forced to make a wrong to leave them alive. And initially he didn't feel that bias. 
Nevertheless, it's working inside of him, this tiny little negative force, to come up with fantastic reasonings and justifications why he's doing what he's doing. And to go away from the simple commandment. Because then, without any doubt, you see that keeping the Torah means avoiding that first small, tiny little hate. And if you don't, if you don't pay attention to that, eventually land up with a whole mountain on top of you. It's an amazing understanding what the, what the Alti is saying. That, that I don't need to help what he's saying. That as long as Shaw was a king, he could, he could have been given to Rehokah a thousand times. He wouldn't have had done anything wrong. Because he couldn't see it. Because what do you mean? The nation. I can't. What do you mean? How can I be connected to the Rats and And the minute he was no longer the king, so then he had objectivity. He said, ah, the reason why I did is because I was scared of what they're going to think. But as long as he would have been the king, he never would have been able to see it. Ki'ilu. His concern was they would the nation would be upset if he didn't keep the king alive and have cows. The nation, yeah. the nation said, let's be, let 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 the na- whatever the nation, whatever the amkus is over there, which we're not going to go into. The nation wanted a different mahalach. They wanted to bring the 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 king alive, and they wanted to bring the zvachim. So so he, he was scared to disobey the nation. That in kotem atim ba'inecha, you may be small in yana. There was a tefacha that Shmuel gave him. But al kopanim, you see a very scary thing the degree of how far a person could go when he has a Nagia. It's not Pshat that he says, I know I'm wrong but I can't control myself. He says, what do you mean? I'm right. I'm vadai doing the right thing. When Shmuel, when Shmuel and Navi came, he said, Boruch l'shem Hashem, kiyamtes dvarav. I kept the word of Hashem. What do you mean? Hashem said, kill, and you didn't. What were you thinking? And you couldn't see it. And you never would have seen it. That is a pachat to be continued in the next exciting episode of Madrega Sa'adam, Finding Perfection of Self. That was very clever how you taught us in the